All right, welcome everybody. We are talking about episode four of Star Trek Enterprise. The episode is called Strange New World. I'm here with Jason. Hey, Jason. Hey, Gabe. This episode was directed by David Livingston, teleplay by Mike Sussman, story by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. So the director and the writers are all people who um, have experience producing Star Wars or Star Trek <laughs> content. Sorry. Before this, Jason and I were talking about a bunch of Star Wars stuff. So uh, my apologies, Star Trek. These guys are sort of Star Trek alumni. Sussman wrote uh, for for other uh, Star Trek shows. Livingston also worked on, I, I believe it was um, Next Generation. So I, I just like that stuff because, you know, obviously with the story being by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, I, I like it when they keep it in-house like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. because I think we've seen in like the Star Wars stuff with Dave Fellini recurring in these roles it enhances yeah it enhances the production, oh yeah totally totally opinion. totally so and i think it is a little bit different when you have a um television series uh that you can have a a, sim- a constant for a series to have uh some you know head writers and stories and stuff like that right there's a continuity that is important because they understand the beats and they understand yeah. Like why did that? Why was that thing important? Let's let's you know refresh the good ones and leave out the bad ones. Yeah, and then because without that you get uh, discontinuity. I don't know if that's a word, but it like is I'm now. sure when you watch, it is now. yeah, it is now. If, if I'm sure wasn't. when you watch the JJ JJ Abrams stuff. I know we've talked about this when he breaks the rules of Star oh, Trek. Yeah. it bothers you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Or someone who's been around the block, uh, they're not going to break those rules. So that's why I point that out every time. Also, so we're going to do a character highlight at the beginning of every episode. So this time we're going to highlight Travis Mayweather. He's an ensign, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Serves as the navigator and helm officer. So um, he is unique to the crew because he has probably the most experience more than probably most humans alive uh, because he grew up on cargo ships so he's ventured out further than um, I mean even the captain Archer so he has stories about space uh, going deep out there into space that no one nobody else can relate Mm to Um, so yeah he's played by Anthony Montgomery so this is Anthony's uh, uh, biggest role, probably, but he has done a lot since then. Probably most recently, he was a regular on General Hospital. Huh. And the grandson. Yeah. Grandson of guitarist West Montgomery. You know, there's certain characters in this show who, last time we talked about this, how they have to kind of. They, they are sort, sort of there to kind of get us in the universe. Like, we have to understand that uh, the humans, you know, for the most part, haven't ventured out very far, but we still need to learn about where they're going for the sake of the story. And so that's why we have T'Pol the Vulcan, who has gone all these places and can, like, you know, in the show, she explains things to Archer, but we learn about these things. While she does that, 
Same thing with Dr. Phlox and same thing with Mayweather. I would, I would say those three characters serve that role of, of teaching us about the universe mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of moving along because otherwise the only way we would learn is, is through the adventures of the crew and, and um, they don't have a roadmap. I mean, they have a, they have a plan, but they don't, they don't know like what's going to be where they're going. And so, in theory, like a bunch, there could just be so much nothingness between, between stories that it would be boring. So you need these characters who can fill in blanks for us. Um, anyway, let's talk about the uh, plot of this one. Yeah. So it starts out. Um, it's an unknown start date. So interesting. The last time it was May twenty one fifty one, but now there was no start date given. So interesting. <clears throat> Why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know. It, it may be a nod to the original series where Captain Kirk never always get didn't always give a star date. Um, but yeah, it yeah. I don't know. Interesting. I didn't. I did not pick up on that. I I, I understand why you would pick up on that because <laughs> yeah, it's probably a little. Um, yeah, it sticks out for sure. So, you know the whole captain's log, star date, blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember that from Next Generation. Yeah. You know, that's a staple of, of the series. Yes, right? it is. It is. So, hmm. I don't know. I did not know that, yeah. that, uh, that this one did not um, do that. So, well, so they pass by a previously unknown Minshara class planet. So, which is interesting yeah. because this is the first time in Star Trek we all know Earth, oxygen, atmosphere type planets are m-class planets but now we know mm. they're called minshar the full name to it is the minshar class uh planets and this was the first time we've heard that in any of oh, the series wow. which is kind of cool so it's a vulcan um the vulcan name type for oxygen-based atmosphere planets so minshar class which was kind of cool yeah very cool yeah and so um they go by it, and there's this really beautiful shot of the planet that everyone's kind of looking at it through the windows from the Enterprise. And uh, they do some scans of the atmosphere, and it closely matches Earth. Um, so they decide to venture down. Um, a shuttle goes down with quite a few of the crew members, including Captain Archer and uh, Porthos, his dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they um, get off the shuttle of the shuttle. And it's it's picturesque. It looks like uh, Yellowstone National Park. It does. It it's does. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big mountains, trees, streams. Just it's just green and lush. Uh, they do mention multiple times that they scan for life forms, and there are no humanoid life forms. Mm-hmm. But they still go down, um, and everyone is just like enjoying being able to kind of stretch your legs out on this natural beautiful world like a big camping trip Uh, yeah exactly it's actually presented as kind of just a a camping trip there's lots of talk of sleeping under the stars there's a part where they have a campfire and they're kind of telling ghost stories Mm -hmm. mayweather tells a a story um that is heavily fabricated but it's kind of talking about what we were talking about earlier with his experience going out on cargo ships and so at some point, they they have a mission to do research 
Uh, but so who stays on the planet? It's Tucker mm-hmm. to Paul, Mayweather, and then the two new characters who I I say new. It's just that they weren't significant enough previously. Yeah, um, Cutler and um, Nova Novakovich. Which one was the lady? Uh, Cutler. Cutler. Because Novakovich is Ethan. Ethan, yeah okay yeah why was she so familiar the actress yeah uh did you recognize her uh yes 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 and so for me um i remembered her from an episode of the x-files and seinfeld where she was closely connected to george interesting hmm Oh, apparently she died in 2003. Oh, no. And this might be why I recognize her is because her f- among her final on-screen roles were guest spots on Friends. Oh! Uh, she, so, she, so she was on Friends, and oh. that's a show that, I've, that I'm embarrassed to admit I've seen all the way through probably 25 times. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, wow, okay. Caused by an undiagnosed cardiac... oh no damn oh so wow that's sad she was young yeah only 36 years old yeah okay well i did not uh i did not research that beforehand but that's interesting little side note here Anyway, so those two characters, like, they they were one of the first ones to have lines in this show. And you could tell that they were going to be, like, the sacrificial lambs. Yeah, like, yeah. Kind of, like, yeah, yeah. Like, you could just see, like... They were, they were they... red-shirted, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you could just tell that, um, you know, that... Um... Oh, sorry. Hold on. Yeah. Can I... Okay, the reason why she's so familiar to me, I was looking this up as I was talking. Okay, okay. so like I said, I I just rewatched Friends. Oh, this is so embarrassing, okay. dude. I'm like, I've been hesitating to say this out loud there's or not. No, okay. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's um, no, nothing to be ashamed about about watching Friends. Okay, well, trust me when I tell you, you're gonna be embarrassed for me. No, okay, I so, don't think so. So. Friends was released on HBO Max. Yes. Recently. Yes, yes, yes. As soon as it dropped, I watched it all the way through. Um, You know, like, not like completely focused on it, but it was always like kind of playing. Mm -hmm. And I made it all the way through. It was, it probably took me a good um, five or six weeks to do it. Okay. Um, Okay. It ended. I got through it. Yeah. All the way to the last episode. Yeah. I I can't explain why I did this or what happened. Okay. I restarted it <laughs> that, that day and watched it again all the way I through. I love it. I love that. That's awesome. And, and so finished and then finished that run through <laughs> okay. uh, early last week. Okay. Have you started it again? No. I finally <laughs> satiated whatever that need was to watch the stupid show it's a all great the way show. through twice. It's a great it is show. a great show. It was a great show. It was it, a great show. 
but you know is it great watch it all the way through twice in a row talking 10 seasons here yeah yeah yeah, those those early seasons you know are 25 episodes yeah 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 they were yeah 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 there were like 25 26 episodes in those early seasons okay so the reason why she was so familiar to me is because um late in the series when chandler and monica are trying to adopt okay oh did she play one of the potential surrogate moms no they meet one of phoebe's friends um who adopted their son i think the son was named owen so chandler and monica go to this lady and her husband's house to go talk about the adoption process Uh and she hands monica this like three ring binder and monica is like so uh turned on by it she's like i think i just had a tiny orgasm because of the organization (laughs) yeah yeah And so, and then Chandler goes uh, to the bathroom and he runs into Owen in the hallway and then accidentally tells Owen that he was adopted and Owen didn't know that. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, is that her? So the mom in that is this Kelly Waymore. Waymore? Oh, man. Oh, is that her? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. So, so she must have died like very shortly soon after, after yeah. that episode mm-hmm. aired. Wow. Okay, my mind's kind of blown there. So, yeah, that was a huge. That was a huge detour. Okay. Just took, buddy. Yeah. No. 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 It's totally fine. Because I, I, I remember her from X Files. I was like, wait a minute. She was on X Files for an episode I, or two. That's impressive that you um, know X-Files that well. Oh, I was huge. <laughs> I think I, I probably saw every episode of the original run. I don't remember any of them. Though. Okay. I, I feel like I was so young. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. I, like, I never, like, rewatched it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Anyway, okay. So let's get back yeah. to business mm-hmm. here, buddy. Okay, so Archer goes back up to the ship. I don't remember why he goes back up, but he leaves to Paul Cutler, uh, Mayweather, uh, Tucker, and then Novakovich. Novakovich. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, they think they're just kind of like hanging out under the stars. They're by, like I said, but they're by the campfire. All of a sudden, it gets like crazy stormy and windy, yep. like. They can't handle it. So they go into a cave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically are going to um, wait the storm out in this cave. Um, so they start seeing stuff. They start seeing, like, rock people. Yeah. Uh, these people who seem to, like, disappear into the rock wall of the cave. Uh, and they're freaking out. They think these, like, rock creatures are, are after them. And um, it's too stormy for anybody to save them. Archer actually tries, but he just can't land the ship. It's just too windy. Uh, Archer literally has to turn the shuttle around and say, sorry, I'll come get you later. Mm -hmm. Um, So, T'Pol cannot, is basically saying, I don't see the rock people, or they're not there. And you can tell that she knows something that they don't. Mm -hmm. Or, or she's experiencing something that, that they're not. And so... Um, or they're experiencing point, something that she's not. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then at one point, Cutler claims to have seen T'Pol talking with the rock people. And so, like, it's a very tense episode. Like, the storm, plus the rock people, plus they're in this cave, plus they're, they're just getting desperate. And it's nighttime, and it's just, like, a very desperate situation. So... You can just feel the panic. And so Tucker is full on freaking out. Mm-hmm. He's like, basically ends up drawing a weapon, uh, drawing his blaster, pointing at Paul, and is like, you're working with them. And he's freaking out. I mean, he's like sweating. He's like full on freaking out. <clears throat> so um, he actually doesn't freak out, though, as much as... Uh, um, Nabokovich, who actually goes out into the storm, yep, and, and is just literally like in a fetal position and like kind of screaming. And um, Archer is trying to talk to him, and he's like just incoherent. And so they take a risk; they actually use um, they beam him up. Yes, they use the trans transporter. Yep. Um. And this is, I thought this was kind of brilliant. I really liked this. Okay. So they beam him up, but because it's so stormy, his molecules end up getting kind of mixed with like stuff that was in the wind. Yep. And so when he gets transported to the Enterprise, he literally has like twigs and leaves and stuff in his skin. Yeah. It was a pretty cool uh, integration of a transporter malfunction for sure. Yeah, well, you know, so the reason I like this, Jason, is because uh, Star Trek has this um, this Deo Ex Machina device. It, you know, seemingly any hairy situation someone gets into, you just beam them up, get them out yeah. of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it kind of it reduces the stakes, and it and it's kind of like, why don't they just always do that? But, you know, we're only on episode four here, and they're early on establishing that you can't just do that, like, because it almost kills this guy. Yeah. when he comes Mm -hmm. in, he's unconscious. Uh, Phlox is, basically says he's going to die. He doesn't think he's going to be able to save him. Uh, He's in, like, in in terrible shape. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, now we know that they can't just willy-nilly beam people up all the time and they certainly aren't going to do it with the people in the cave right now uh, after this failure so um but one thing that happens with this guy who's unconscious now up in the enterprise is they test his blood and he actually um he has a compound in his blood um tropolysine yep and so uh, Phlox explains what it is, and basically it's causing people to hallucinate. Yeah, it's the pollen. And so that's what's going on. It's the pollen, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on, is there are no rock people. Um, bum, bum, and bum. all the people, yeah, all <laughs> the people down on the planet are hallucinating rock people. And apparently um, the Vulcan, Paul, is either less affected by it, or she's so in kind of in command of her of her mind and her body yeah. that she's overcoming it we don't really know mm-hmm. um so she i think is, f- is feeling it to some degree but she's not like buying into what she's seeing um and so she's in control and and because she's in control um her and archer basically are able to um 
come up with this scheme where they disarm Tucker. Because Tucker bike, is holding she... Paul hostage at this point. Yeah. Right, with a gun. Yeah. With the blaster. <clears throat> um, so she draws her blaster on him and, uh, you know... Phaser. Uh, what do you call it? Phaser. Phaser. Okay, see, man, I'm, I'm a Star Wars man. Yeah, so, yeah, no, no, okay. no. We're talking about Star Wars still, man. <laughs> Well, okay, but in other in other shows and movies, it doesn't ha- it doesn't look like a gun. But in this show, they look like guns. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they almost look like electric razors in other. Oh uh, yeah, I can't yeah, yeah, yeah. If... No, but in Star Trek the original series, they do. It does look like a phaser. Does look like a gun. It does. Okay. Yeah. But by the time we get it... to Next Generation and. And, Voy- and Voyager and Deep Space Nine and the rest of them, it, they do become smaller handheld electric razor type devices. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Well, so um, she pulls her phaser and via some uh, Vulcan uh, secret uh, communication with uh, Sato. Right? Translator. Who's it? What's the translator's name? Mm-hmm. Hoshi. Sato. Um, Sato. Sato. Thank you. Uh, they uh, disarm Tucker and uh, basically wait out uh, the storm and uh, they get transported down an antidote. Um, so here's here's the cool part. So she's able to give it to Tucker because um, she just she just stunned him with her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cutler is just kind of like out of it. She's just succumbed to the effects of this drug. Um, but Mayweather is still kind of with it. Um, so she's like, um, to Paul is not really able to like administer the drug. So she actually does the Vulcan nerve. Pinch. Yeah. The first time we've ever, well, the first time. So can canonically this would be the first time yes. that this has happened yes yes even though it was introduced um so I, I actually researched this so um it was actually first introduced obviously in the original series yep. but early on too i think it was episode four or five yep um and uh spock Is does that? it to yeah. evil kirk yep. that's right um and so uh, <clears throat> and then apparently in that in that uh, original script um in the script spock was supposed to uh like haya kirk in the yes. head he was yes. supposed to like karate chop him yes. in the head yes yes but thankfully leonard nimoy was smart enough to know that how stupid that was yep um and it's really impressive that early on that he was see you, know, you are a star aware. trek fan man <laughs> yeah. Well, so so apparently him and um him and Kirk uh talked about it. The actor who played Kirk, of course. William Shatner, yes. William Shatner talked about it and convinced the showrunners that this was the way to go yeah. and they went with mm-hmm. it. And now it's iconic. Yeah. But so I don't know if you're aware of this Jason as a outsider. I'm becoming a, a Star Trek insider, but I'm still I have a lot I have a long way to go, buddy. So, I don't know if you know this, but, like, I think people like me think that that Vulcan nerve pinch mm-hmm. is the Vulcan death grip. Yes, a lot of, I would say for non-fans, yeah. I've heard it, definitely. 
Yeah. Because like when I was going to research this, I started Googling Vulcan death group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I quickly learned that that's not. No, it doesn't So when, when, when they do the pinch on the shoulder, on the, on the trapezoid. Yeah. Whatever. Um, that isn't, and never has been what we think of as the Vulcan death grip. It's always been the Vulcan nerve pinch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then people just conflate the two things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then even even more so, the Vulcan death grip is actually not real. Nope, it that is that not. That was just, yeah, that that was just a ploy Spock just invented um, to get out of a hairy situation. Yes. <laughs> saying, I'm going to do a Vulcan death grip. And he just like immobilizes Kirk, I think it is, yes. with a nerve pinch. And then tricks the um, Romulians, is it? Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? You Romulans? did. The Romulans, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Romulans, thank you. Tricks them into thinking that mm-hmm. that Spock just killed Kurt. Oh no, you're giving an episode that we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I know, but we're, we're so far away. So far away from that. Um, but, so, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Like, people like me think, oh, she just did the Vulcan death grip. Like, that. Like it's just no. wrong on so many levels. Yeah, it's no. not, not only is the Vulcan death grip not a thing, no. that actually wasn't even the fake thing. It no. was the Vulcan nerve pinch. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and we're seeing the canonically the first instance First of it. time, yep. So. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was cool. Because, you know, like, when we first started the show, I was like, are they going to show stuff like that? Um because that's one thing about uh, Next Generation is it was lacking in Vulcans. Yeah. Um, and so you didn't see a lot of stuff like that. No. Nope. Um, so some, but yeah, no. <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, I thought that was cool, and that was pretty much the show. So you know they administer this antidote. Um, Flox basically had saved the day there because uh, figured out that it was um, not real, and then to pull you know kind of because she's calm and in control they make it out alive yep and i'm sure i'm sure i got some good research out of it too by the way on this uh on this uh planet this minshara class planet did i miss anything nope you covered it you got it man cool <clears throat> good deal you know i never realized I never so in the beginning when I first watched the show and now rewatching it again with you buddy I never realized how much how T'Pol is kind of this outsider like you know even in this episode she was the one you know conspiring against the humans um hmm. yeah and so it's really interesting to see the um alien racism I guess even uh in this um the distrust and stuff even though this was onset of you know pollen and everything um you know she's still kind of the to Paul is still kind of the <clears throat> the outsider to the rest of the crew so that's been really interesting to see again yeah and you know it kind of boils over because Tucker would obviously be on Archer's side. And yep. so many times it's Archer versus T'Pol. Yep. So when they're down there, Tucker's like freaking out on T'Pol. Yep. Like to the point where he's about to shoot her. Yep. Yeah. So. And, you know, it's it's certainly... Um, 
she was right, you know, because she was exercising caution. She was saying we should really wait. We should send down probes before we go down there willy-nilly. But, you know, the humans, because they're reckless, they, you know, they just had to get down there and it almost cost their lives. So, yeah, you know, obviously everyone has a lot to learn. So. And they do. And Tucker does bring up multiple times. He says, like, there's something you're not telling us. You've been holding out on us. For, for your, yeah. your species is holding out on us for a hundred years. And it kind of calls back to that idea of the first contact and how they weren't uh, super forthcoming. Right, exactly. So. Um, oh, and then a little bit more on the uh, the death grip stuff as I was reading it. Oh, yeah, it. sure. Um, so I think it was in one of the novelizations. Um, oh, okay. They tried to establish that it was a callback to when Vulcans were run by their emotions. Yes. They were, yes. they were a more, um, s- sort of just like, I don't know, violent. Is the right yes. Term, yeah. But. Yeah. No, that is the right term. That would be a right. The, that would be the proper, mm-hmm. um, categorization or definition of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was run only through emotions. logic. That mm-hmm. it saved them from annihilating each other, or their they evolved, entire race. They evolved race. as right. They evolved <clears throat> as a culture to become this super sort of disciplined, yeah, logical mm-hmm. people. And they were able to discipline and train themselves to keep their emotions mm-hmm. somewhat in ta- uh, under wraps or under control. Right. I don't want to give away too much because there is a teacher figure that does lead them down the path of logic so i'm not going to get into that because it's going to come okay way later <laughs> way 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 later <laughs> when we have to start reading books no in in star trek the original series season two i think it is yes oh yeah okay all right great all right man anything else you want to talk about uh the only the other interesting thing um about these because you know the transporter is such an early and that was used for an emergency is that mm-hmm. you know because the tech is a little bit different um in terms of you know back when the transporter needed to be invented in the 1960s for the original series um uh but yeah using the shuttle pod to you know, actually land on the planet and instead of, you know, saying, hey, Scotty, or um, calling down to the chief transporter and being like, beam us down. It's kind of interesting to see that we're, you know, it, it's it's really fun to see the early days of how far that we've, mm-hmm. how far it's come that they're flying down to the planet using a shuttlecraft. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, because in the other episodes, that's what they they had done. So it didn't even really dawn on me that that's that's almost illogical that they would fly down when they could just transport yeah. each other up and down. But um, because yeah, the, so it's, it's you know the yeah. transporter is still in its experimental mm-hmm. kind of phase, right? And not many people have actually used it. Archer has used it, 
Right. They didn't, but that was, you know, a very urgent situation. Yeah. So I'm sure people are still very cautious about it. Yeah. So. Well, that's something I'm definitely interested in tracking, though, is like, you know, this, this, just the stakes of the, the drama. Like, when, when can they just like pull someone out of a situation that's just too hairy? Mm-hmm. And when will they not do it? So. Because I, I, in my mind right now, I don't have a clear delineation in my head of subsequent Star Trek stuff when they were like, wh- why don't they just always do that in every bad situation? Uh, obviously, if a ship is attacking the Enterprise, there's nothing that can be done. But when they're down on a planet or something, why don't they just always do that? So, Because it's interesting... Um... It's a lot, a lot of times it's like a, a natural, like a environmental phenomenon. There's too much interference. The cave is too, you know, the cave is too, um, the rock is too dense or, Mm. um, they're, you know, uh, can't necessarily get a lock due to atmospheric, you know, um, interference and stuff like that. So it's usually down to like, you know. In this, in the uni- in the Star Trek universe, it's usually down to some sort of, you know, environmental um, anomaly or some sort that okay. you can't transport through. You know, again, dense rock or a storm or something like okay. that. Makes sense. Cool. I'm glad that they they have that in there. So, all right, man. Okay, well, cool. Good stuff. Um, we can cover next um, episode next week and uh, thanks for listening have a good night